This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Thanks for being here tonight. Uh, whether you were drugged here by some other family members or whether you want to be here, I'm really glad you're here tonight. I love Christmas Eve. This is my favorite night of the year. I love Christmas Eve more than Christmas morning, and I still love Christmas morning a whole lot. Now, I say that, but recognizing that uh, sometimes Christmas can be a downer. Sometimes uh, we haven't had the epic year. Sometimes it's been a difficult year. Now, whatever is right in our life, whatever is good in our life, whatever is joyful in our life, you know, it gets accentuated at Christmas time. But whoever's missing or whatever's missing, it's painful and it's tough. So Christmas can let us down. Kind of reminds me of the story of the guy that was dying and he had this request of his family. He said, I would like for six Kansas City Chiefs to serve as my pallbearers at my funeral. And the family thought this was kind of a strange request, and so they asked the question again, are you sure? What's the deal? You want six chiefs to serve as your pallbearers? He said, yeah, as a Chiefs fan, I just want to let the Chiefs let me down one more time. (laughs) I say that as a Chiefs fan. Christmas can let us down. If we're looking for some buzz or we're looking for something that magically is going to make everything right, that's wrong in our life, Christmas will let us down. So whatever's happening, whatever's going on in your life, whoever you are, what I want to encourage you to do is to seek Christ, to look for Jesus, to look for Jesus, and to seek and search him tonight. Now, The scripture that Pastor Jim just read of the Magi is a story of search. These wise men, these Magi, these astrologers, these kings, whatever you want to call them, had traveled a long way. You you can't get much farther from where they came from to Jerusalem. Theologically and philosophically and religiously and every other way, geographically, they'd come a long way. And they come to Jerusalem, these guys on the outside, long way off, And where do you go looking for a king? Well, you might go into a king's palace. (laughs) And so they go right into Herod's palace, and they ask the question, where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? What a great question. Where? Where is he? You know, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter uh, the personal pain or the confusion or whatever, There's something about that question that resonates in our DNA. We want to know, where are you, God? Where are you in this world? What's going on? How can I find you in my world? It's a a universal question. Now, sometimes it's, it's easier to see the presence of God than in other times, depending upon what's going on in our life. There's events, there's people, there's circumstances. Last June, Susan and I had an epic event in our family where Oren Jason Cutler was born, our first grandchild. And if someone would have told me that being a grandparent is so much fun, uh, I would have been a grandparent before I became a parent. You don't have to change the diapers very often. You don't have to get up in the middle of the night. You don't have to worry about the expenses. It's just, it's just incredible. And Oren has been a spiritual experience for me personally. When I hold that baby in my arms, 
Oftentimes, I, I just sense the presence of God saying, I'm holding you. Um, when Oren talks gibberish to me, I'm thinking, I'm going to talk to him right back. And that's how my prayers must seem with God sometimes, just gibberish. But I think God is always happy to hear from us, even when we don't know what to pray. And I sing to Oren. He's the only human being on the face of the earth that enjoys my singing. I've been singing to him, sweet little Oren boy, for six months. And when I sing to him, I think about how God sings over us. You believe that tonight? The scripture talks about how we're the apple of God's eye. That God sings over us, that God takes delight over us. That we're the apple of his eye. Now, Orrin did something a couple of weeks ago that just really messed my heart. December 9th at 7 o'clock in the evening, in case you're interested. Orrin is now scooting. He wasn't scooting two, two weeks ago. So he's on the floor, and he hears my voice, and he does a 180, turning toward me. And then that night, for the first time, he got up on all fours. And it was just like he was leaning toward me. And everything on his face and every ounce in his body was saying, Papa, I want you. You know, everybody wants to be wanted. Everyone that's born into this world needs to be wanted. And God wants to be wanted. You ever think about that? God, being God, doesn't need us. But God is so full of mercy and love and goodness that God wants us to want him. And he wants us. And when you and I want God <clears throat> as much as Orrin wanted his papa that night, there's going to be movement. There's going to be something that happens in our lives. Now let's go back to the story of Herod and the wise men. They come asking, where is he used to be born king of the Jews? And so what does Herod do with that question? Well, he pulls his religious leaders together, and they know their Bibles. <clears throat> they check out the prophecy. Micah says, centuries before, he is to be born in Bethlehem. And so Herod's got his answer. He pulls the wise men back together, and he says to them, it's in Bethlehem, so go make careful search for this child, and when you find him, come and report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. You missed your cue back there, brother. That's the scripture. Now, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? What do we do? Are we in search are we looking for God? When do you want to go? Where do you want to go to find God? Where do you go? Um, when you care enough to make a change in your life, when you believe that change is possible, when the pain in your life is strong enough, then you'll want to change. And it's in changing 
It's in the exchanging of our lives with God that we begin to see change and movement in our life. Don't wait for some miracle to make a movement toward God. Don't, make for, don't wait for some earth-shattering miracle like the Cubs winning the World Series or something before you believe in God. You remember the movie Back to the Future 2? Do you remember the year that the Cubs are supposed to win the World Series, according to the movie? 2015. Cubs win the World Series in 2015. As a Cardinal fan, I'm really concerned about this. I'm concerned about the improvements that the Cubs have been making. And I'm here to tell you, it, nah, it, there's, it's not possible. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't wait for the Cubs to win the World Series. Don't wait for something earth-shattering in your life to seek and search for God. Do you want God in your life tonight? Really? You know, when Herod says to the, the wise men, he, he says, go make the search. Um, it reminds us that nobody can search for somebody else. We've got to do the spiritual work. We've got to do the spiritual investigation. We've got to make the trip. The wise men are astrologers and they're learned men. They're people of science. But they don't theologize and philosophize. They don't study the star. They come following the star to find the person that the star is leading them toward. So I want to I show you some pictures tonight of ways in which we can exchange gifts. And as we look at these pictures, I want you to ask yourself the question, where do you see yourself in this picture? Or where do you see God? The first picture is the picture of the gold and frankincense and the myrrh that the wise men bring. God had given them the gift of himself. God had given them the gift of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And what do they bring him? They bring gold for royalty and frankincense for deity and myrrh for mortality, for the death that, that he will die. What are you bringing to God tonight? What, what do you bring to God? Have you come bringing yourself? What are your resources? What's in your life? What do you want to offer Christ tonight? You see, God comes alive when there's an exchange, when we receive from God and when we offer to God what we have. That's exchange. I want to share with you another picture. And this picture comes from just a couple of weeks ago. In the midst of our crisis and our protests this summer and fall and winter. This occurred a couple of weeks ago in Portland, Oregon, where a young African-American boy by the name of Devante was holding up a sign, and the sign said, um, 
I give free hugs. And the police sergeant walked up to Devante and he offered him his hand. And he asked him, why are you crying? And Devante gathered the courage to say to the officer, I'm afraid of police brutality. And the officer sighed. And he just said to the young boy, I'm sorry. And he asked him, can I give you a hug? Can I take one of those free hugs? And that's the picture we see. Now, that's the picture of what God does when we're able to see people as human beings. I am not trying to make a political statement tonight. There's too many political statements being made. But God is at the heart of reconciliation. And the picture that God has of the world is a picture more like that. So that young black lives and officers' lives don't have to be taken. That in a world where there's so many loud voices and shrillness, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, says to us, Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called the children of God. So how was God calling you to be a peacemaker in this world? And is there someone in your life that you feel like you're apart from, you're distant from? What does it mean to take the first step of reconciliation? What does it, what does it mean to, to make the first gesture? What does it mean to put the hand out first? What does it mean to simply say, I'm sorry? I'm just sorry the way things are. See, that's when God gets real in our lives. Let me show you another picture. It's a picture of an angel. It's the gift that uh, my mother-in-law, Dorothy, gave to my sister-in-law, Tammy, this year for Christmas as they are both uh, breast cancer survivors. It's uh, a special gift of an angel, and Dorothy survived breast cancer a year ago, and then Tammy has gone through it this year, and so Dorothy has offered these gifts and prayers and support and garments that only people that go through such an experience can appreciate that helps people keep comfortable. And then this Christmas, she gives us, gives this angel to Tammy. And I love the message on the wings of the angel that says, courage is not the towering oak that sees storms come and go. It's the fragile blossom that opens in the snow. Courage is not always standing up tall like a tree and being strong. It's recognizing when we're fragile and believing that even though we are fragile, God gives us the grace to blossom in the snow. And when we're wounded and when we're hurting and we're in pain, how does God, through his grace, use us to be a wounded healer in someone else's life? That's what God is calling us to. That's a picture of God in the world. Another picture I want to show you tonight is our Jobs for Life, where we have graduates and we have students and we have champions. Graduates for Life is a new ministry at Schweitzer, and it's something that we believe is different because we think that too many times we Christians do things for people, but we don't have a relationship with people in the world. And so 
this ministry of Jobs for Life is being with people. And Jobs for Life may be something for you as a student or as a mentor where you get to walk alongside eight other, eight, for eight weeks, somebody else, and you get to encourage them and speak into their life and help people to learn job skills and life skills and discipleship. But maybe Jobs for Life is not the way you live this out, but for every one of us, we all need mentors. We need people that will speak into our life. We need people that we're learning from. And we need to be teaching others and helping somebody else in life. This is a picture of how God is at work. God is not calling us in life to be alone. You may be someone that has felt like you're an outcast. You feel like you've been left alone. You felt like you're left out tonight. And the message of Jesus is that no one, no one is left out. No one is forgotten about. There's 1.5 million people in this country who are in prison tonight. And God hasn't forgotten about them either. God is looking for people who know him, who are going to reach out to people who need him. Where do you see yourself in that picture? Now, here's another picture I want to show you. It's a picture of a crucifix. This crucifix was stolen in the Bronx during mass by some thieves. The people walk out in the foyer, and this crucifix has been in this church for hundreds, a hundred of years, is gone, and they, people go to the street looking for Jesus. It's valued at $5,000. I don't know how much, I don't know how you put a price on a crucifix, but. Well, they find Jesus. They find the crucifix in front of a liquor store where the guy's trying to sell him for 50 bucks. So I heard that story. People get caught up in the spirit of Christmas and they forgive the thief because they remember that Jesus forgave a thief on the cross. But I wonder if that story doesn't say something else to us. That in this exchange of life, we have marked Jesus down. We've marked him way down. We've devalued the cross. We've not valued the priceless gift. The gift of his mercy and his love and his forgiveness and his goodness. It's given to all of us as an exchange for our sin and our brokenness and, and our sorrows. What an exchange. Have you taken God up on that great gift offer? That great exchange. One final picture I want to show you tonight is one of my favorites. It's Michelangelo's picture of the creation of Adam in the Sixteen Chapel. And this picture speaks in so many different ways to us. But I just love looking at, at the sheer force of the creator, of God reaching toward Adam. And everything in God's image there is, is reaching out to his son Adam. Full force, full finger force. And Adam is listless in his face, and he's not even putting forth a finger. 
That's a picture of how God is reaching out to us. You know, God comes in Jesus, and, and, and here's the message. Here's the message of Jesus. I'm God, and I've come looking for you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save whoever, whatever's lost. You know, that night when Oren got up on all fours and everything in his face was saying to me, Papa, I want you. How do you think I responded to that? <laughs> well, I couldn't help myself. I reached down. I picked him up. I held him. I wanted him to know that I wanted him to. How much more God wants you tonight. You may have not had that kind of a father or that kind of a mother. But your, your father, your God in heaven, wants you. He wants you. He loves you. He died for you. So we never have to really ask the question, God, where are you? God is here. Where are you, God? Of all places, God says, I am in the manger. Where are you, God? I'm on the cross. Where are you, God? I'm alive forevermore. Where are you, God? I am here. I am near.